Today's scripture reading is going to come out of Isaiah. We're going to take a look at the seventh chapter. And while we'll be covering the first half of it, I'm just going to read for you uh, the 13th and 14th verse. Now I've got to find it because I had it marked for yesterday and today's today. All right. Isaiah chapter 7. That's how the sausage is made, y'all. This is how it happens right here. Okay. Okay. So starting in verse 13 of Isaiah chapter 7, it's the word of God. It reads, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. It's a reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, a couple quick things here. Uh, One, we don't have kingdom kids today. So if you've got kiddos here with you, we do have extra handouts that Miss Rosemary's prepared, don't we? I saw some handouts back there. Yeah. So there's folders and there's handouts. If they need a little activity to help them stay focused over the next hour or two, then you can... What? Why'd you laugh at that, Joyce? You weren't planning to be here that long? (laughs) Uh, You can grab one of those handouts. Don't be shy. Go grab one. No problem. A couple other things. Uh, We're heading into a new year, and it is um, an exciting time for us as a church. Lots going on. But one of the things I'm most excited about is reading God's Word together. And so we have a plan that has been put together in a book. Miss Amy did a fabulous job putting that together for us. And it looks like this. And this is your read through the Bible in a year plan. Now, starting next Sunday, I'm going to be talking more about this in detail. Uh, The Bible reading plan doesn't actually start for another week. It'll start on January 2nd because it's going to be a Monday through a Friday reading plan. But you can pick this up today, read through it, get kind of familiar with it. There's a little handout sheet in there of uh, these Postcard size, what's called prayer cards. It's perforated. You can tear them apart. I'm going to be going over all that stuff next Sunday. So you're going to want to be here next Sunday to hear about the Bible reading plan, hear all the details, and hear how we're going to utilize this plan starting in the new year. Okay, so that's next week. Another thing that goes along with that is if you read through uh, the, the first part of the Bible reading plan, it'll talk about those prayer cards and how you can add scripture to your prayers. And it's one of the blessings of God's word is that we get to take God's word and we get to claim God's word as God's promises to us. Okay. And so you can use scripture as part of your prayer life. I really encourage you to do that. And so, uh, how, you know, you may not know, like I want to pray for this, but I don't know what scriptures line up with that. Well, um, there's a handout here that has a bunch of different topics like family or fear or anything like that. And it has scriptures in there that you can read and add to that. So you can pick this up, uh, I don't remember how many copies of this we have, but we printed extra because we ran out already. So if you get back there at this table or the table in the foyer as you leave and there's not any, just let me know. We've got plenty. And then finally, and I'm really excited about this. One of the things we want to highly encourage is to have not just adults reading the Bible, but teenagers and kids. And so teenagers, those in middle school and up, aren't going to have any problems following along with what the adults are doing. 
But the kiddos, we wanted to have a, a plan adapted to them that could really work to help them engage God's Word. And so Rosemary has put together this book, and it looks a little bit different. It's got blue text on the front, and it says, One Year Bible Reading Plan Plus Journal Kids Edition. Okay, And so you can pick one of these kids' editions up. It has the whole year's reading plan in it. But something that's really cool that Rosemary did is she put together journal pages for the students or for the kiddos. Because one of the things that adults I'm encouraging you to do is to journal as you read God's Word. It's a way to uh, express what God is doing in your life, to write down prayer concerns, etc., etc., And so for the kiddos, we wanted to have something a little bit more structured for them to kind of help them walk through that journaling process. And so when you open it up, you'll see these beautifully colored pages, and it's got the day and the date, and it asks you some questions. And it's connected to the Bible reading plan as well as their prayer life. And so each day they can go in and fill one of these out. Now, while it has the whole year's reading plan in it, it only has January through April's uh, journal sheets in it. So when we get towards April, we'll put out another one with May through whatever four months after May is, through the summer or whatever, okay? So you can pick one of these up for the kiddos, all right? And so this is a, a great tool as well. Now, this is not online yet. We need to, I need to work on that. But everything else I've mentioned so far, if you go to fbckennedy.org slash Bible, if you're watching on Facebook, or let's say you get back there to get a resource and it's gone, Go to fbckennedy.org slash Bible, and you will find this reading plan in a PDF with the prayer cards and the instructions and everything. You won't find the kid journal booklet yet, but we will work on that and get that posted on there as well. Rosemary, maybe you can remind me of that because I actually just thought of that. But uh, there's nothing more powerful in the life of a believer than engaging God's word prayerfully. And so that's our plan starting next year. And More specific directions and information and encouragement will follow in January. So make plans to be here next Sunday as we continue in that. And it's going to be a really great year together. Where This year we have been focusing on the Old Testament. Next year we will focus on the New Testament. Oh, and let me mention one more quick thing. For the kiddos, uh, each day, Monday through Friday, we're reading uh, chapters out of the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. That might be a little much for the younger ones. And so what we're encouraging you to do is just, if nothing else, read with them or have them read and discuss the New Testament reading. Because that is primarily what I'll be preaching out of on Sunday is something we read the previous week out of the New Testament. But this year we've been focused on the Old Testament, which is, for me, it's been an incredible blessing. I hope it's blessed you as well. To get a, a real clear picture of not just the beginning of how God created all that there is, but how God had called out a people to himself, Israel, who were supposed to represent to the world who God is. And that was their mission. That was what God had given them to do, was to represent to the world who God is. That was Israel's job. And so we've been following along with Israel's story, and we've seen that Israel didn't always do that well. And we can kind of point fingers and say, man, they messed up a bunch. How could they get it so wrong? Uh, But the truth is, if I were in their spot, I would have got it just as wrong. And I think probably the same could be said of you. Maybe you're better than me. There's probably some of you that are for sure. But I think we all probably would have struggled. We all would have struggled to live up to that, to God's ideal. And so what took place in the life of Israel is, is they didn't do the things God wanted them to do. They didn't worship God alone, which was the biggest one. And they instead of worshiped other gods. 
is God knew he had to discipline them. Just like, you know, if you've got kids or even, I don't know, do grandkids discipline grandchildren? I don't think they do. I don't think that's a thing. But if you're a parent, you know, you got to discipline your kids. You love them. You want to straighten them out. You want to make sure they know right and from wrong. And you want them to learn and grow. And, and, and God is a father to us in that way. And so he sees his people not following his will. And so he is disciplining them. And what takes place is after God's people enter into the promised land, what, what we call Israel now, is because of their disobedience, the, the people begin to be fractured. And there, there develops a northern kingdom that continues to be called Israel and a southern kingdom, which is Judah, which is technically, if you know much about the Old Testament, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Ten of the tribes existed in Israel, two of the tribes in Judah, Judah being one of them, Benjamin being the other, right? And so you have these two tribes that are existing, and we've been following that history and seeing what takes place and and how in the northern uh, kingdom of Israel, they had no good kings. And God disciplined them by allowing them to be taken over by a country called Assyria. And then in the southern kingdom, there were at least a few good kings, but it wasn't much better than it was in the northern kingdom of Israel. And so God is going to discipline them as well. And so Isaiah is prophesying during this time. This is what's taking place. What we just read is taking place during uh, this division and during this time of, of being uh, uh, threatened by the country Assyria. And at the heartbeat of what we find in Isaiah 7, which is echoed in the New Testament story of the birth of Jesus which takes place in our life is, what do we do when we're afraid? When we look out at what's ahead of us, maybe looking out at a new year, maybe looking ahead to some transitions in your life, maybe some things that, if you're honest with yourself, it's scary. And there's some fear that maybe you push it down, maybe you try to ignore it, but it's there. Or maybe you're just living in it day in and day out and it's, you just let yourself think about it way too much and you just feel that fear rising up in your soul. What do you do with that? How, how do we face fear? And this is the question for Judah. In this specific instance, this is a question for Judah. How are they going to face their fears? So... If something like that's taking place in your life, I'm glad you're here today because I think God has something he wants to share with you from his word. And so I just want to pause for a moment. That was a long introduction, I know. Uh, But I want to pause for a moment and let's pray and then let's take a look at Isaiah 7. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this celebration of the birth of Jesus what it means, not just for today, though it does mean a lot for us in this moment, but what it means for our eternity. God, you are good to us that you would give us your son, Jesus, that he would be born into this broken and ugly world of which we're responsible. He would come to save, to be our God with us, to bring salvation now and forever. And God, that's, that's a truth that sometimes, you know, we forget or we set aside and we get really fixated on the here and now and we get worried and, and anxious and even fearful. 
But God, you are not a God of fear. You're not a God of timidity. You are a God of power and strength and courage and hope and love. And so I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit's presence with us this morning will give us all that we need to face the things that may be staring us down in the coming year or in the coming days that might be sparking some fearful thoughts. God, that you would equip us today to better handle what will come tomorrow. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've already given you a bit of the history, big picture of what's taking place in God's people's lives. But let me zoom in a little bit on what's happening here in Isaiah chapter 7. If you go to the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7, you read a guy's name called Ahaz. And Ahaz is the king of Judah. Remember, you've got a northern kingdom, you've got a southern kingdom. And he is the king of the southern kingdom, Judah. And Ahaz uh, is looking out and he sees that there is this world power called Assyria. And Assyria is threatening their little stretch of land. You have um, Israel is kind of situated in between the east and the west. And Israel and that stretch of land there was an important part of, uh, of, of global history. It was a trade routes, an important um, place that world powers would want to get a hold of. And so that's definitely taking place. Assyria sees the value of this stretch of land and they want, to, uh, they want to conquer it. And they are threatening this little stretch of land. Add to Judah's, uh, the tension Judah's facing is that their brothers and sisters to the north, Israel, have, they haven't been conquered yet. Uh, they are putting pressure on Judah to join in with them to fight the Assyrians. Not only them, but some other countries in that area are saying, listen, Judah, if you join in with us, we have a chance against Assyria. Now, that's not what God wanted them to do. That's not what God wanted Judah specifically to do. But that's the pressure they feel. Now, I know this took place a long time ago and we're reading this story, but this really happened. So try to put yourself in their shoes. Try to put yourself in King Ahaz's shoes. Imagine for a moment you are in charge of this nation, of God's people. And you've got Assyria breathing down your neck and you've got your brothers and sisters to the north trying to get you to partner with them, to fight them. I mean, this, this, is, this is real life. This is your home. This is your people. This is, this is your kingdom. Jerusalem and, and, and Judea, that, that's, that's home. And it's being threatened. And you're not sure what's going to happen. Now what King Ahaz chooses to do is he chooses to focus on the things that bring fear. Have you ever, I know you have, you've seen those shirts that say, uh, stay calm and, and then finish the sentence. Does anybody have a favorite one? Stay calm and, if it was mine, it'd be drink coffee and eat pie or something like that. Like that would be my motto on my shirt. Stay calm and X, Y, Z. You know, that's actually from the Bible. I don't know if whoever wrote those little sayings got that, but it's actually found in the Bible. Look at, look at verse 4, chapter 7. L- listen to this. This is God giving a message to Isaiah to speak to King Ahaz. Remember King Ahaz? King of Judah, right? He says to him in verse 4, Be careful and keep calm. 
and don't be afraid. Be careful and keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. King Ahaz sees that his people are in trouble. His homeland is in trouble. Assyria is an enormous threat. And then he's got his brothers and sisters to the north in Israel wanting him to partner with them to fight the Assyrians. And he feels like it's a losing battle. There's no real option here. And so in the midst of that fear, when God is saying to him, be calm, don't be afraid, he does the exact opposite. And I don't know about you, but if someone, if I am upset and someone tells me not to be upset, does that work for you? No, it generally doesn't, right? I mean, I wish it would. I wish just hearing that uh, from another person would help, uh, but it often doesn't, and it didn't help. It didn't help Ahaz. He, did, he should have heard Isaiah saying, it's God who's saying this. Now, the reason why someone else says, stay calm, I'm like, well, yeah, but who are you? What are you going to do? How are you going to help me? How are you going to alleviate this problem that's creating fear in my life? Like, I think there's probably a legitimate reason not to listen to that all that much. But if it's God saying that, well, God can do something about this. God is in control. God is in charge. So relax. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Keep calm. But it didn't work. And so what Ahaz does is he says, instead of partnering with Judah, he decides he's going to partner with Assyria. He's going to become uh, basically a vassal state. He's going to let Assyria be in charge, and he gets to kind of be the little king over their little plot of land. But it would protect them. In his thinking, it's going to protect us. He is not careful. He is not calm. He is not unafraid. He does not not lose heart. He sees what's out there in the world threatening him and his kingdom. And instead of following God, listening to God, he gives in. He gives in to his own fear and tries to partner with Assyria for their own preservation. Fear is future-oriented, right? Fear is looking ahead at what is to come and being anxious and worried uh, about that, whatever it might be. And Ahaz is looking ahead and he is afraid of what is to come. And he is trying to figure out a way in his own wisdom and in his own strength to avoid catastrophe. And so he does not do what God calls him to do. Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid, do not lose heart. In verse 9 of chapter 7 we read, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. God is saying to them, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you have no chance to stand at all. And so if there is something that's sparking fear in your life and in mine, and we're looking ahead to that thing, where will we stand? Will we stand in the fear or will we stand in our faith? Will we stand in our fears or will we stand in our faith? That was the choice Ahaz had. He stood in his fears. And that's the choice we have. And so the question for us is where will we stand? When we look ahead to the things that upset us or make us anxious, will we stand in our fear or will we stand in our faith? Now, let's be honest. To stand in our fear is easy to do. It's automatic. We automatically become fearful when something, you know, like uh, this happens often if my mom's watching 
Uh, sorry, Mom. But anytime I call, because I, I should call more often, to be honest with you. Uh, but when I call, her response is, what's wrong? Because she just assumes I'm calling with bad news. And I, almost, I actually almost never call with bad news, so it's kind of weird. It's like, why would you think that? But the assumption is fear, right? I don't know something, and what do I put in that gap? Something bad. And that's often how we operate, isn't it? It's easy to be fearful. It's natural. It's automatic. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know what's going to happen next. What will I put in place of the thing that I don't know? Surely something bad. I don't know what's going to happen, but it must be something bad. Ahaz is looking ahead, and he sees what his serious threats are. He sees what the countries around him are doing. And his assumption is, it's not going to end well. He puts something bad in that place. And we do this automatically. We stand in the fear instead of in our faith. And one of the reasons that is so is because we genuinely don't know. We don't really know how it's going to turn out exactly. Right? We don't really know how 2023 is going to end. We're approaching a new year. We're looking ahead. We don't know how that business venture is going to end or how that relationship is going to go. We don't, we don't always know. Often we don't know. Almost always we don't know exactly how things are going to transpire. In that place of not knowing, we put bad. It must be bad. It's not going to turn out well. It's going to fall apart And then, of course, we're fearful. But what does it look like to stand in faith? What does it look like 